located in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains and on the traditional territories of the Treaty 7 region. Broadcasting from the University of Calgary campus station, you are listening to CJSW 90.9 FM. Tu hi meri hai barkat, tu hi meri 
रब दिखता है यारा मैं क्या करूं तुझ में रब दिखता है यारा मैं क्या करूं सजदे सर झुकता है यारा मैं क्या करूं तुझ में रब दिखता है यारा मैं क्या Because everything dies, nobody know why. What can I go do? What can you go do when you're feeling like you're falling and you can't find nothing to hold on to? Memories, may they carry me 
from reality. No require visa. I have been very quietly dying. I need you to remind me why. Give me the strength to keep fighting. Cause I know it. Trust anybody. They make a no vision. Nobody done it. Good morning and welcome to 90.9 FM CJSW. My name is Ali Samji, the Vice President of Operations and Finance of the University of Calgary Students' Union. And today I'm joined by... Nicole Schmidt, your Students' Union President. <laughs> Thank you so much. I guess I shouldn't even say that I'm co-hosting anymore. I'm the button presser for the next few episodes. But um, yeah, with that, Nicole, I'm going to hand it off to you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ali. And I, I know I said this last week, but Ali is our uh, technical wizard behind the scenes running everything today. So we're very, very lucky to have him here with us. So thank you once again, Ali. Um, but yes, good morning and welcome everyone to SU Weekly, where we talk about everything going on at the University of Calgary Students' Union. My name is Nicole Schmidt and I'm your Students' Union president. So in case you didn't know, there's an Alberta provincial election coming up now in less than two months. Albertans will head to the polls on May 29th to select a new provincial government. Since 2019, post-secondary education has become less affordable. The average student is paying 33% more than they did in 2019, or about $1,200 more per year. The problem is that despite paying more, students are getting less. Students are still facing crumbling infrastructure, burst pipes, fewer advisors, and fewer wellness services on campus. We at the SU see this election as important, and we aren't sitting it out, so you shouldn't either. Too often, voters don't really get to know the local candidates running in their constituencies. So to do our part, we've reached out to candidates running in several Calgary ridings, primarily those with large student and youth populations, to have them talk about their background and their takes on post-secondary issues. If you're a provincial election candidate and you would like to come on CJSW and SU Weekly to chat, we would love to have you on. So please reach out to the Students' Union. Last week, we kicked off our interviews with Alberta Party candidate for Calgary Edgemont, Alan Schultz, and I'm excited to continue interviews today with two more candidates and hear about their perspectives on post-secondary issues. So with that, I am thrilled to welcome today's first guest. So running in Calgary Varsity for the Alberta Party is Dr. Angela Grace. Angela is a PhD registered psychologist with a specialization in the prevention and treatment of eating and weight related challenges in youth, an elementary teacher and a sessional instructor right here at the University of Calgary. Here at the university, Angela instructs comprehensive school health at the Workland School of Education. So without further, further delay, I would like to welcome Alberta Party candidate for Calgary Varsity, Dr. Angela Grace, to the show. Welcome and good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me here, Nicole. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us for our second week of uh, running our advocacy show with candidates on. So we're very happy to have you. I really appreciate that you're doing this with candidates. Often, you know, we kind of get set aside because we don't have any power. We're, you know, we're trying for the job, but we don't have the job yet. So I really really appreciate this opportunity to to talk. 
Of course, no worries at all, and we're happy to have uh, you on. We're having candidates from all of the the major political parties in Alberta on, so thank you once again uh, for joining us. So with that, I think we'll jump right into questions, if that's all right with you. So for our first one, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and all of our listeners and how your experiences have impacted your decision to embark as a candidate in this election? Oh my goodness, that is a loaded, lovely (laughs) question. That's fantastic. Um, Well, I grew up in, I I honestly think that my path to becoming a candidate started in kindergarten because I grew up in rural Alberta. I, I absolutely was so excited to go to school and learn how to read. My mom told me that I came home from grade one pissed off on my first day because she told me they were going to teach me how to read, and they didn't <laughs> on my first day. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a perpetual student. And literally, whenever, whenever I'm stuck and I don't know what to do, I tend to go back to school. <laughs> So my first degree was in theater and and English, and I got my education degree at the University of Lethbridge and was going to be a high school drama teacher, drama and English teacher. And I've gotten to do that one day my entire career. <laughs> As most teachers will find out, your first teaching job isn't in the area you thought it was going to be, but it's always it's always important. So I became a grade one teacher. And then after a few years... Something was off with my group of little grade one girls, and I couldn't figure it out. And they were throwing out their lunches behind my back, running laps around the playground to try to lose weight. And I didn't know, there was nothing in my teacher training to help me with that. So I went back to school to get my master's in eating disorder prevention and, and school health and was going to be a school counselor. And then just how hierarchies go in school divisions. I did not have the hierarchy, so I was not hired as a school counselor. So I decided to go down the path of becoming a psychologist. And what I saw, so all of this relates to how human beings are in systems. So these children were in a system where they felt they had to change their bodies and be perfect. And then when I became a psychologist, I was in a system of mental health where I could see the inaccessibility with mental health and the cost of it, and also the importance of working together and helping each other to have good mental health. So as I sat in my, in my you know, private practice office, seeing one client after the other, and thinking about how they were in these big systems and how the systems were actually hurting them, like people become the victims of broken systems. And so that's when I decided to go back and get my PhD. Like if Angela doesn't know what to do, she goes back to <laughs> back school. To school. <laughs> yeah. So I, I started my PhD at the University of Calgary. Nice. Um, and my focus was eating disorder prevention. However, that, it was fascinating. It led down a rabbit hole of of systems of comprehensive school health, of the connection between education, social services, and healthcare, and the justice system. So it's really, and then also in my work here, one of the, one of the, <laughs> every student I think will understand the tremendous amount of stress it is to go through school. And um, so my saving grace was actually the women's center at the university with their peer support groups oh, nice. and 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 work they were doing there Great. and also the native center i got to go to grandmother's tea ceremonies with elders and 
it had a profound impact on me. The other course that had a profound impact on me was was issues in social justice research. Okay. And that was a a collaboration between education, psychology, and social work. And it, it was absolutely profound to really deeply think about the systems that we are in, how we, how we need to work together um, to, to have life for everybody, to create life and, and wellness for, for everyone. Absolutely. So after my PhD, I, I did eating disorder prevention work across Alberta and across Canada. I did some national, national work. Um, led Eating Disorder Prevention Week in Calgary. I produced, for a few years in a row, I produced this really awesome show called Evening of Hope because my work, my work is not about me. My work is about elevating other people. Mm -hmm. And so this show was about elevating the voices of women, men, children, diverse people, parents who'd been impacted by the trauma of eating disorders. And then COVID happened, of course, and that that had to shut down for a while. But because COVID happened, I started to, you know, I, like everybody else, started to isolate and look at social media more and was wondering what was happening with pandemic management. And then March 30th, 2021, the UCP with... Minister of Education, Adriana LaGrange, dropped their draft curriculum. And I have to backtrack to 2017. I was invited as I was invited as a community stakeholder to use my 20 years of experience and expertise in education, mental health, and comprehensive school health to review the 2017 draft. And I did. And in front of a room of about 150 professionals, I stood up and I said, this draft has missed the mark. On one piece of paper, you say there's Indigenous involvement. I don't see any of that in the draft. Mm -hmm. On this paper, you say there's Francophone involvement. I don't see anything on this draft. And I reviewed it and I looked at it and I said, this draft does not meet the minimum requirements for comprehensive school health. So I sat there for hours because, of course, we weren't allowed to use computers. We'd signed an NDA. I couldn't bring anything with me. Completely understandable because it's a very, it, it's a very involved process. Mm-hmm. So I literally gave them all the best resources across Canada to develop the comprehensive, to develop the wellness draft. Right. And when I went back to review it in 2018, it was beautiful. It was there. They had gone to the best practices across Canada. And I was like, yes. I, I, I did something really important. Like I helped develop this wellness curriculum. That's really cool. Yeah. And then I forgot about it. And I was waiting for the piloting because they said, you'll, you'll be invited back. Like we want more. We need you involved with the piloting. And then the UCP took over. And that summer, Jason Kenney dropped public from schools. And then they said they were shredding the draft because it had NDP content. I was there. I knew it didn't have NDP content. I don't even know what that means. What is NDP content? Caring about humans? I didn't know. So it came out, and because it was the pandemic, that was literally my first week off since the start of the pandemic. I did not get a week off. 
I spent 50 hours in three days reviewing the curriculum from top to bottom and writing a review that I submitted everywhere I could. And then Dr. Carla Peck and Dr. Um, Sarah Elaine Eaton reached out and asked me if I would be on the academic, academic steering committee for the Alberta Curriculum Analysis website. And I said to them, I don't think I'm the right person for that because I'm not attached to a university. I said, I'm a sessional instructor. I'm in independent practice. And they said, you're actually the best person for this because you can speak the truth and you're not bound by anything other than your ethics of being a psychologist. So that's what I've done for the last two years is I've advocated for a quality curriculum. I've advocated for... I. Just the more I get involved, the more I see how the systems are failing people, Mm -hmm. and they are going to fail our children for the next seven generations if we don't get the right leaders in the legislature now. Absolutely. No, I think that's that's so important. And thank you so much for sharing your experience. It's really mm-hmm. um, it's amazing to hear that the, the catalyst for all of that was actually your experience as a, as a school teacher and mm-hmm. you know, seeing sort of the impact that you well, know, disordered eating, eating was having on your students. Well, and so, then there's, yeah. the, there's also the other side yeah. is I work a lot with trauma. So I'm a right. you know, highly specialized trauma therapist. So it, it was also extremely disturbing that the labor minister at the time Jason Copping, right at the beginning of the pandemic, he removed presumptive coverage for PTSD from WCB. So what that means is unless you're a firefighter, policeman, or ambulance driver, or paramedic, Mm -hmm. they don't believe that you have trauma from your workplace unless it's proven. So the last couple years, I have had an office full of nurses, doctors, psychiatrists, paramedics, haven't had police or firefighters, but I know they have, you know, they have specialized services and teachers burned out, exhausted, demoralized, so frustrated by the way they are treated at their jobs Mm -hmm. because of the changes the UCP have brought in and because of the terrible pandemic management that happened. So literally my work overlaps education, healthcare, mental health, and the justice system. Absolutely. On that note, I'm sure some of our listeners would be curious. So um, I know you've talked a lot about, you know, the impact that UCP Mm -hmm. decisions have had on your your work and your your Mm -hmm. area of study. Um, But what made you decide to run for the party that you chose, in this case, the Alberta party? So there's a little bit of a story with that is so... um, what was it? The summer of 2021, I went to one of Rachel Notley's events because I'm like, I'm fed up. The UCP, like, I think what's, what's really extraordinarily hard as a passionate, educated advocate is the silencing and the not being heard. Because when you have something to say that you know is grounded in best practices, it needs to be heard. So I went there and was chatting with Sarah Hoffman and she said, you know what, Angela, I think you'd be great running. And I said, no, no, this isn't my area. I'm nonpartisan. I'm, I need to be an advocate for education. So we left it at that. And then it was the next spring when a, in May 2022, when Adriana LaGrange said, the curriculum is law, get used to it. And I, I broke, like something inside me just broke because I knew how serious this is for our kids' future. So at that time, I said to my husband, I think I need to run. 
And he said, yeah, you, you do. So I did. I signed up to run with the, I put my name in to run with the NDP. Okay. However, their vetting process was so purified that some of my artistic life experiences and some of my work being a forward-thinking psychologist in the world of psychedelics um, were, were not accepted. And so I walked away from that and I thought, okay. And then someone in the UCP asked me to run. And I thought, I can't. I can't run for the UCP because in the past, if, if honestly, if there had been a different leader, mm-hmm. I, I probably could have if things had changed towards more centrist that we're used to and that Albertans prefer, then I probably would have. And then the Independence Party reached out and I said, no, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Albertan. We're, not, we're not, not doing that. And the Greens reached out. And I'm also very aligned. I'm very aligned with some of the policies and platform with the Greens. But I needed to choose a place where I could be as nonpartisan, independent, and truly represent constituents the best way I could. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found in the Alberta party. There is no party whip. I've told our leader, Barry Morishita, watch out for me because uh, I'm not, I don't tow party lines. So I chose this and I know it is bold. I know it is different. I know people are not used, used to this. Mm-hmm. Albertans tend to want to have someone else do the work and, and save them. And I'm sorry, it, we don't live in that world anymore. We have to get involved. We have to get involved. And that's what I want my campaign to be, is truly community, people-centered, student-centered, doing the right thing, and rebuilding the heart of our community. Absolutely. No, that's so important. And it's great to hear that, you know, that's really your priority as a candidate, not only from, you know, your past experiences, but also <laughs> looking at, you know, what you're bringing to the table with this election and the impact that your experiences have had on the things that you're going to be advocating for. Because I think that's so important. But well, And yeah. when I was when I was here at the student protest, yeah. um, I walked with the students, I talked to the students, and I got called out by students. Oh, no. <laughs> it was, no, it was awesome because that's how it should be. Yeah. A social work student stopped me and she said, can I ask you a question? I'm like, of course. She said, why now? Why is the Alberta party showing up now? We haven't heard from you for four years. And I said, you're right. It's because... Well, A, I wasn't with the Alberta Party until recently. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, that's part of it. Right. And, and it's because what I've learned is they are very, very quiet, thoughtful, educated people who look and observe before they react. So it's being responsive and not reactive. Absolutely. No, I think that that's a, that's a good thing to, to remember. And I'm so glad that you were able to join us for the rally that happened and speak with students. Because I know students, especially um, the ones we represent through the SU, they love having the opportunity to engage with political leaders like yourself. So I'll ask you a, a post-secondary based question now. Absolutely. So this one provides a little bit of context and sort of the explanation here. But post-secondary students in Alberta are facing significant challenges with regards to affordability. Tuition increases have put additional financial 
financial pressures on students with a 33% increase since 2019, despite the 2% cap on tuition increases announced by the UCP, which began, which will begin in the 2024 to 2025 academic year. Students are already facing tough situations regarding financial pressures due to tuition hikes. Many students are being forced to sacrifice their basic needs because of these financial stressors. So our question to you is, what will you do to lessen these financial pressures and support students at a time when they need it most? Okay, well, I'm going to start with a story because I was a student here. Yeah. And I, so from 2009 to 2015, I struggled with finding a place to live. I had some pretty... Pretty horrible roommates for a while, <laughs> and some pretty awesome ones, so it was good. Um, and then there came a point in time, because I thought my PhD was going to take four years, and it took six. So my Shirk scholarship ran out, and I thought I was going to be living in my car and showering and changing at the gym at the university. And for one night I did, and then a friend opened up her place. So I understand it. Also, at that time, I quit cutting my hair. I quit buying clothes. I quit buying makeup. I quit. I would go out for dinner with friends and have a cup of tea because I couldn't afford a meal. So, I mean, I wish as part of my campaign, I could have a giant pizza party or something for students and just feed you and go door knocking for a couple hours. And I will do that. I will absolutely offer something for students. We will, we, will work, we will work that out for absolutely. sure. So to answer your question, what will I do about affordability? Yeah. The truth is right now as a candidate, I have not had access to be able to look at and shift and change things in the budget. So I can't promise monetarily things from, from myself right now. But what I can do is, is for to listen to students and hear what their ideas are, mm -hmm. and also professors. And I also know we're looking at huge systemic issues. I turned down a professorship because I did not want to deal with the tremendous amount of stress because I just wanted to be there for my students, which is why I love being a sessional instructor. Mm -hmm. I get to come in fully, 100% be there for my students. And I don't have all the other pressures. So I, we are really looking at deep systemic change. And I think part of it begins with slowing down. We don't need all this pressure to take so many courses mm -hmm. during a worldwide pandemic. It's still happening. I've had high school students go off to university and, and fail because they are so stressed out and so not prepared. So I can't offer monetarily things right now, but I can offer social things mm -hmm. about rebuilding the community and the structure that keeps professors and staff and students well. And it begins by slowing down. Absolutely. I think that's, that's so important. And I know as someone who was you know, involved with the Students' Union throughout the latter half of the pandemic, we've had a lot of conversations about you know, mm -hmm. course load requirements for students and that it's total too much. it takes on their mental health, especially I know engineering is one that comes up, for example, because yeah. they're obligated to take 
uh, six courses their first year beyond sort of the typically required yes. five. So we've had a lot of conversations about that. So that's uh, that's wonderful to hear that that's something you're looking into. But uh, we're almost at time. So maybe final question for you. So mm-hmm. in uh, 90 seconds or less, tell us uh, about your platform and about sort of what you hope to achieve as a candidate running in this election and if there's any parting thoughts that you would like yeah. to leave our audience with. Well, I have a pretty awesome website uh, DrAngelaGrace.com that has a lot of my platform and perspectives on it. I fully, the biggest part of my platform, honestly, is true democracy and democratic change. Right now, we are in, we're in violent times, and we've got a lot of angertainment happening between the two big parties, and it's quite appalling, actually. So my platform is about bringing civility, humanity, looking people in the eye, saying, I see you suffering. I'm suffering too. How can we help? How can we help those suffering? And we need to slow things down, get out of trauma brain and into wise brain so people can make good decisions. And at the end of the day, I want everyone to have a home for their vote that matches their values. I don't want people to vote against something because they hate it. I want them to vote for what they believe in. Absolutely. I think that's so important. So thank you once again, Dr. Angela Grace, for joining us today on CJSW. And I know if any of our listeners have any more questions about you or your platform, they can definitely check out your website and I'm sure get in touch with you there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Email's right through there. And please, if you want to see democratic change, Get out and support your candidate with some door knocking, some phone banks, whatever you can. Absolutely. And honestly, even if you're not going to vote for me, I don't care. (laughs) Believe it or not, door knocking is good for your mental health (laughs) because you're connecting with people. Absolutely. So So. students, let's do a pizza thing and uh, get out door knocking. And door knock. It's a great experience. So (laughs) fantastic. Well, thank you once again so much for, uh, thank you for joining us today. And I know if students have any more questions, they can check out your website. Um, With that, I will actually throw it back over to Ali to introduce our next set of songs. Thank you so much. Yeah. So actually before the break, we listened to Tujh Me Rabedikta Hai by Rupkumar Rathud, Alone by Burma Boy. And now going into the break, we're going to be listening to Heaven by Hamza and Gayatu by Dana Paula. Um, you're listening to 90.9 FM CGSW, and we will be back right after the break. Never met nobody like you Whatever way that 
finissait jamais, on s'unissait On vibre l'un pour l'autre mais jamais à l'unisson On a tous deux nos torts, le tort serait-il unisex On se rendrait malade sur le chemin de la guérison Balance-moi la lune et je te demanderai l'univers Tu peux voir un je t'aime dans mes notifications À tourner autour, on finit par tourner en rond Vu qu'on est que de passage, autant passer à l'action Tu me textes, mais je te laisse en vue wow, wow. Si je plique, tu me laisseras en vue wow, wow. Et moi j'ai l'air, j'ai des papillons dans le ventre Tu aimerais, je suis jusqu'à la mort, même si je me désabonne, dis-moi. Si tu donnes ta parole, est-ce que t'auras les mots pour dire que t'aimerais? Je suis jusqu'à la mort, même si je me désabonne, dis-moi. Welcome back to 90.9 FM CJSW. My name is Ali Samji,、uh, and I'm joined here by Nicole, the president of the Students' Union. I just did that for her. I am sorry. That is all right. You did a lovely <laughs> intro there, Ali. <laughs> Thank you.、Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pass it off to. Oh, we did listen to one other song that I did not announce. We listened to No Thief by Shay.、Um, With that, I'm going to pass it back off to Nicole, and then you will hear me at the very end. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ali. So, with that, I'm now excited to welcome our second guest of the day. So, running in Calgary Buffalo, Calgary's downtown constituency for the UCP, is Dr. Astrid Kuhn. So, Astrid is a former news reporter and journalist who formerly worked for City TV, Global, and CTV. Uh, excuse me, sorry, City TV, Global, and CBC.、Uh, since leaving journalism, Astrid runs her own communications company and teaches at Mount Royal University. So, without further delay, I would like to welcome UCP candidate for Calgary Buffalo, Dr. Astrid Kuhn, to the show. So, welcome and good morning. Good morning. We're just sorry, we're just figuring out the headset here. Oh, I can hear my voice. Oh, perfect. Kind of. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. No worries at all. There, we got it. Fantastic. I think we are, we are set up behind the scenes. Ali is once again our tech wizard. So thank you, Ali. Thank we appreciate you. that. But、uh, thank you so much for joining us today. So, for our first question, I was hoping you could tell us all a little bit about yourself and how your experiences have impacted your decision to embark as a candidate in this election. Yes, thank you for having me. I have been quite nervous, but also excited to be here because I went. 
to Scurfield here and oh, studied nice. business way back in the 80s. <laughs> and back then, we, were, we didn't have the opportunity to have um, double, double majors or a double degree. Right. So I was kind of like in this lost space of like, okay, I'm studying operations management, very, oh, <laughs> Operations management, I love numbers, I, like give me a linear analysis, I love it. But then at the same time, I studied, I, I was a ballet dancer, I was on oh, main no stage, way. I played the piano. So I think if I took all my credits together, I think I could have graduated with two degrees. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel the pain of not really knowing who I am. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I went to school here, met my husband here, and we have three children and a third grandchild on the way. Oh, congratulations. Yes. That's very exciting. Thank you. Any, any minute now. And uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. And um, before that, actually, let me remind, I'm like all over the place. <laughs> no worries. Um, I studied business, opened up my own music studio, and you'd think that would be cool. But it was actually the place where your parents dragged you to take piano <laughs> lessons, and, right? And, but I have to say, we were the first school of rock. Oh, We would have nice. our guitar students, our drum students, staying late and jamming in our studio, and the neighbors would call and complain <laughs> about the music studio. Oh, no. Um, and then fast forward, I realized that I loved educating and so gosh let's put business and education together and go into broadcasting so <laughs> I worked as a six o'clock reporter and anchor at a channel now city tv then cbc said they needed a rock and roll girl so I was there uh, co-hosting with uh, Doug Dirks on the six o'clock news became the weather person, had my own afternoon lifestyle show, Live in Calgary, and then went to Global Television to work on the morning show as the, the live host reporter and the weather anchor. Wow, yeah. so quite the career. Yeah. All over, everywhere, yes. Yeah. So when people say to me, I don't know what I want to be, and I'm like, that's fine, it's great. Yeah. Every, every turn, you might have a new dream. Try it. Absolutely. Just give it a go and sort of see where, where it takes you. I think that's so important. And it's, it's interesting to hear your, your background that was, you know, dance and music, but also business. For myself, um, I'm actually, I do Irish dance. So I do oh. competitive Irish dance, which is great. But I know it's interesting how many people, you know, sort of dance or have musical uh, careers or musical hobbies on the side who end up, you know, in leadership positions like yourself. So yes. that's really wonderful to hear. I guess for my second question for you, so how did these experiences sort of shape your decision to run for the party that you chose to run for, in this case, the UCP? Yeah, so in my next iteration, I actually teach right now entrepreneurship at MRU. Oh, nice. And uh, our, the Bazette School of Business and Communication is actually the place where I feel like I fit the best because I have this business background and this this uh, entrepreneurial background and this communication background. So I'm able to marry the two. And, and I'm finding that our students really need to figure out how 
to stand out and be an individual and to think creatively and be free of the right and wrong answers, to be free of memorizing things and to be free to feel afraid, but it's okay to step forward and move into a safe place. And so as I'm hearing and seeing that in our, in our students, wanting a, a, a safe place to move forward and realize dreams, but also be brave enough to step forward and say, okay, I made a mistake or I tried something different uh, and wasn't awesome at it. I'm finding we need to create a space for that. And so that's when I started to realize, you know what? I never really paid attention in social studies. (laughs) (laughs) I like, yeah, I know there's the three level of government. I, I did not pay attention to school board trustees when my children were going to school. I did not pay attention to who I was voting for when I was complaining about my taxes and buying a home. I didn't pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, having uh, studied and gotten my, my PhD in entrepreneurship and leadership, I realized I have to step forward. I have to step forward. I have to learn about these things. And rewinding back, I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about politics. I'm the right one to step forward because I'm going to ask those curious questions and I'm okay to make the mistake and try something different or at least, you know, wonder about it. Absolutely. And that's that's so important because I think um, with politics, it can seem a lot of the time in Alberta, like, you know, it's a select group of people who run and I think, you know, the average day Albertan sometimes doesn't feel that that's a really accessible uh, place for them to, you know, start running or, you know, start a campaign. So it's really wonderful to hear that you stepped up and decided to take on that challenge because I think (laughs) we need more of that. So to jump into uh, so a post-secondary specific question, because I know you have a background not only as a post-secondary student, but also teaching now. Um, so as I'm sure you're aware already, but over the last four years, students have faced the fastest and largest tuition increases in Alberta's history and actually I believe in Canadian history. Um, so as someone who is running for a party that implemented provincial cuts that resulted in tuition increases, uh, what's your message to students and what do you think you can do to help support students? Yeah, you know, I feel your pain and I see it. I see that you're having housing problems. Uh, even even the fact that you just had Bermuda Shorts Day yeah. and hardly anybody was celebrating in the style that we celebrated in, <laughs> right? So uh, you're, you're feeling the financial stress, you're feeling the emotional stress, you're you know, when we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we need safety. Mm-hmm. We need food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah. We need to feel like we belong before we can even move up towards self-actualization. And so we're, you, our students right now are challenged with safety, food, shelter, and clothing, and belonging. That's a lot of needs that are going challenged. And... Sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) And so you're not alone. You're not alone. 
which is important to know. This is, this is real. And I will rewind back 35 years ago. It was not as acute for us, but it was real too. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bermuda Shorts Day, we actually protested and walked out by the masses onto Crowchild Trail to protest that. And fast forward, even after I was married, even after I had children, even after I um, owned a home, I still had a student loan. Yeah. So that student loan stayed with me. My daughter, married, children, has a home, still has her student loan. So what I'm saying is you're not alone. This too will pass. I think it's kind of like a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. But the important thing is when we come out of here, do we have the hope of realizing our dream? Do we have the hope of getting a job, building a career, being able to pay for rent, maybe even buy a home? So what could it be on the other side? So that's what I'm saying is, it is acute right now. The, the question is, in the long run, in five, seven, ten years, do I have the ability to crawl out of this? And will there be an economy that will support me in my, in my career choice, in my business choice, in my social choices? So that's where I think uh, we're really trying to make sure that we have a healthy economy for you to graduate and realize your dreams in. Absolutely. Um, on that note, actually, that's a nice segue into our next question. So um, just in, on the topic of the economy and students, you know, having access to employment opportunities to help pay for those loans sort of post-graduation. Um, so access to summer employment opportunities has been a challenge for students, and it's a challenge that they have continued to face since the cancellation of the Summer Temporary Employment Program, or STEP, back in 2019. The problem with this is that students are simply not eligible for the current provincial jobs program, which requires permanent full-time employment. Uh, In June 2022, youth unemployment sat at 10.2%, which was double the provincial unemployment rate of 4.9%. Students are heading into their fourth consecutive jobless summer with increased costs of living, hike tuition, and minimal government support. So how do you perceive this challenge and what strategies, if any, do you plan to enact to help students overcome this inaccess to summer employment opportunities? Yeah, that, you know, the STEP program has been a great program. Yeah. So I, I don't know why it hasn't been renewed or is on hold. I, I do agree. It's a very good program. My husband, who graduated here from th- with three degrees <laughs> and took years to find a job, uh, and it benefited from that, right? So, but I think for me, because I drink the Kool-Aid, I teach <laughs> entrepreneurship. And so we live in a world of a gig economy. And so what I'm saying is, Let's learn how to think creatively. Let's learn how to collaborate. Let's walk outside and have open eyes and see what opportunities can I create for myself with my skill set and my experiences and step into a brave place and create a business Mm -hmm. to create a consulting situation, right? Because 
you all have self-efficacy. You've you've made yourself go to school. You've made yourself not just survive, but thrive through the pandemic. So you've got this grit. And what I'm saying is you've got something that coming into the spring and into the summer, what can I do to create an enterprise for myself, mm-hmm. right? Is it about cutting lawns? Because if it's about cutting lawns, and or is it about delivering something? Is it about teaching something? Is it about writing a book? Is it about creating a podcast? Is it about creating a blog, right? How can I learn from that and possibly monetize it? What are the different opportunities and grants that we can um, can use to help pay for us going to school. So I I actually did it differently where I could only afford to take three courses a semester because I worked throughout the school year. Okay. So it took me longer uh, to go to school, but I feel like I had a more fulsome experience going to school and working. Have you had that experience? I can say that I definitely have in this position. Uh, so everyone for the students' union, we we all work full time at our positions, but we're still expected to take classes. And obviously, we can't take as many as sort of like even a part time student or full time yeah. students. But it's definitely it's a challenge, right? Trying to juggle, you know, working full time while also being a student. So, right, and yeah. that actually, I believe, is your advantage. Right. right. I, I have students who only focus in on school who don't volunteer, who um, who aren't involved in the community, who don't have part-time jobs, who haven't started a venture. And, and I feel sad for them because that's that you've, you're, it's like there's no opportunity to grow yourself as a full individual because employers need these T-shaped individuals, people who are really good at one thing but also well-rounded with real-life experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys have from working and going to school. Absolutely. No, those experiences are, are definitely important. And we want to make sure that students, you know, have access to not only those experiences while they're on campus, but also, you know, work experience once they've they've graduated or even while they're still post-secondary students. So um, thank you so much for your responses to everything. I have one more sort of brief uh, question for you. I think this will be our final question of the day. But in 90 seconds or less, tell us a little bit about your platform and any takeaways that you would like our, our listeners to have and where they can get more information about you and your, your platform. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, if the clock is running, give me a 10-second signal. <laughs> I, c- I think I could do this. No worries. <laughs> I actually am not a politician. As I've told you, I know nothing. However, I have a curious mind. And being an interviewer, yeah. I love listening and asking those curious questions. And so I don't know what the challenges of my constituency are because they're so different for me. And so when I knock at the door, I'm very curious. I need to listen and I need to hear. And uh, people are facing challenges, safety challenges in the core, uh, business challenges where taxes are so high, Mm -hmm. and uh, just looking for opportunities to stay healthy. Right, we we live along uh, along the river, and to be able to thrive, not just thrive, but thrive, and those are the things that I realize are important to my constituency. I want to listen, create a safe space 
we 